This is a Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles, presented by Westside Honda and 204 Skate Shop. Motocross news from around the globe, but mostly between Emerson and Brandon. We're not experts over here, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at BigMXRadio.com. Welcome to the Big MX Podcast Show, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles and 204 Skate Shop. With me on in the studio, Lee Stewart and Chris Mellon. How's it going, guys? Pretty fantastic. Great. Great. Just after St. Patty's Day, after the uh, Detroit Supercross, we're going to wrap that sucker up. Starting out with the track. A lot of 90-degree corners out there, not proponent for great racing. What did you guys think? Yeah, no, it was pretty cool, I guess. There was... The corners sucked, of course. Uh, that whole up-down section I didn't really like. You know, it was just flat up, flat down. I think they could have gone a little cooler with that. Rhythm sections were cool, though. I like that. And, I don't know, that's, that's my take on it. Uh, whoop sections are kind of tame. But, uh, and yeah, short. Very. That's what she said. And uh, up the peristyle, <laughs> down the peristyle was pretty... You know, everyone is obviously going for the inside. I thought that little kicker going in was kind of cool. Couple guys are taking that differently, going around the outside, getting some speed. But uh, I mean, as much as the peristyle was lame, the quicker you did it, like you've seen the guys like RV almost like bouncing off the tough block and you know sliding their ass end around and heading down. But um, after that, yeah, that little uh, kicker into the step on, step off, step whatever. That was a cool section that you know you couldn't do perfectly every lap, but um, where it. It looked like it showed that pick the safe route, and um, well, yeah, that took short to a fourth in the four fifties. Um, what uh, what made the track toughest? Uh, it, it was technical that it was hard to hit your marks, or that the soil just didn't provide a lot of traction. You just couldn't pass. Yeah, you just you couldn't really get going. A lot of those guys uh, seem to be kind of uh, in quicksand out there, not able to move forward. Uh, how much of that is um, track prep and the dirt that they're using, and how much of that is tire choice? I think track design as much as everything, like, um, you know, tire choice, they all pretty much run the same shit anyways, so if, uh, you know, a lot of 90s, there's some ruts, there's going to be the one good line, and, you know, anyone who knows, like, if there's ruts and there's super technical sections, you're going to hit that same rut every lap or you're not going to feel confident, so, you know, I think everyone kind of gets in that same line, gets in that same groove, and then if everyone's using it, they're like, screw it, I'm not going to try that new line, no one else is. And, um, you know, you kind of just get in the rhythm, figure, screw it, why get hurt, save your position, get whatever points, and move on to the next round. Now, that venture into the crowd, uh, is that an added feature that we like to see, or is that a little bit of a gimmick? I'd like to see more of it. I'd like to see it done better, though, like the old school LA Coliseum days, when they used to, you know, jump up and jump down. That was totally badass, not just, you know, go up flat, turn around, and come back. It's kind of boring, but... Yeah, it'd be it, difficult to be able to, uh, that was a, a very kind of a, a one-off uh, or a one event or one venue uh, thing that we were able to do. Uh, I'm not sure if we'd be able to rep- or recreate that with another venue, but I would like to see it as well. Well, see, and I was thinking about that too. If there was maybe uh, a little technical double on the way up that if you hit that outside line and railed it, you could double up. If no one's around, hit the inside. Maybe you have to go a little bit wide to do a double down or you can kind of go inside single single way up single on the way down you know like kind of like 93 pontiac if you're that big of a nerd yeah like (laughs) 93 pontiac 
But uh, actually, I don't believe you. I don't think that was on 93 Pontiac. I'm going to have to look into it. Okay. But uh, <laughs> yes, like 93 Pontiac, Brad. But um, you know what I'm saying? Something more technical where if you're going to use a peristyle as kind of a selling card for this racetrack, rather than like Lee was saying, a straight up U-ball straight down, throw some shit in there and, uh, dude, throw a whoop section up that. Terrible to build. It'd be brutal. It'd get rutted, but who knows? It would lead to some shenanigans and, you know, just do something different. If you want to be different by doing something that's been done a bunch of times, do something different with it. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, moving on to the, uh, the, the, the track wasn't great. I, I'll, I, I didn't think that it, it made for great racing. I found that the guys were struggling out there. And I just, uh, it, it didn't help the evening where uh, the, the guys who came out front... They were just consistent. No, no one really moved forward or backwards uh, other than uh, maybe uh, Jeremy Martin. He had a terrible start in the main. But uh, moving on to those 250 guys, uh, or the, the PC 250s are absolutely flying out there. Um, they're grabbing every single hole shot uh, as they should in a, in a field like that. Um, what do you guys attribute to their success so far, especially on the starts? Uh, lack of competition. Sorry to say, but if you look out there, and you know, they are getting the starts, but if you combine all three of them into the same bubble like that, they're gonna, they should get the starts. Good for you. Uh, you know, you got a lot of Hondas out there. Like, if you've seen the first heat, I think 9 out of 10 were Hondas. Um, you know, the Cowies are gonna get the starts. They have the best riders. Mm -hmm. If you look at that class... No one else is that. Vogel's good, but he's semi-injured, let's say. He's obviously getting over that top right. finish of his career. Right. But um, when you're Adam Cincerello, you put him on a fucking Hodaka, he's probably going to do not too bad. The combat um, wombat. Uh, fucking Davalos, he's going to win a heat race if he doesn't even enter it. And then he's going to crash out, do something weird in the main, but still do good. Right, you know? I think that's already written in the script as uh, for Feld, Feld uh, Motorsports. Yeah. Beg, it's a machine... I think he's not really looked at it in the same level as all the rest of the guys in the 250 class. Like he's kind of that. He's rocking a number four for a reason, right? He's the only single-digit guy out there, and he's not even winning. So these guys are the elite of the class, so they should be up front. I mean, if they weren't, I think you'd have more to talk about. Fair enough. Um, speaking of uh, the the hierarchy of the the PC guys, Davalos seems to be having a hard time. Uh, establishing himself as the dominant or outclassing AC and Baggett for that number one spot, um, which is which see, it seems like he seems to be fighting it quite a bit because AC Adam Cianciarello, brand new to the class, Baggett not known as much of a um, a supercross guy, but still he seems to not have the body language of someone who's extremely confident in his own abilities. Uh, Lee, what do you think about that? Yeah, Davalos, he's, I think he's got the speed to do it. You know, we see him win almost every single heat race he enters, but for some reason it's the choke show in the main. And uh, it sucks to see because I'm a big fan of that guy. He's awesome. He's a down-to-earth dude and everything, but, like, he needs to pull his shit together, basically, in the mains and start because I think he can give AC a run for his money, hands down, if he can stay on two wheels. I agree with you. Oh, we we all know the guy has skills, and uh, Chris, I'll let you touch on that for just a second. But it's it just seems like he, um, because of the the numerous years of himself, uh, often falling short, not getting those 
wins that he's been uh, looking for for so long. Um, when does that go into his head? Like uh, motocross is a head game uh, with having AC going one two one two. Uh, it's it's just been uh, absolute demoralization. Well, it, it's obviously in its head, and if it's n- not, like I don't see how it couldn't be. And with AC, he's in a pressure slash no pressure situation. It's his rookie year. Sure, there's more hype since like a guy like Carmichael or Stewart coming up. But um, when it really comes down to it, Davalos has a high-pressure situation. If he blows this year, he's... Well, I guess we've been saying that for years that he'd be done. But, like, really, this this is his year where he has to do something. So when it comes down to that, I think AC has the skills. He has the confidence. And he also has a relaxed attitude. Like, look, it's my rookie year. If I blow it, that's fine. But um, I think that's really going to pay off in the long run. Whereas Davalos, more of a guy, like, he needs to win. And every one of those mistakes that he makes in the main and crashes that I call every lap, like, you can pretty much count on, or every race, you know, he's going to do something stupid. It's just a terrible situation, and... uh, I agree with you. You know, Davalos has to do something now if he doesn't win this championship. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, because I don't know who anyone who would hire him for a 450 ride based on blowing it consistently in 250 mains. Yeah, man. Basically, every one of those mistakes I see is <coughs> another nail in his coffin for, for getting a ride And you next can year. almost see them coming, which is unfortunate. Well, that first round, you see that big, huge butt pucker. At, you know, he was leading the thing. He had a solid one. The last lap, he could have taken it easy, and he came Exactly. Close. He more lucked out into that <laughs> win by not pulling a Davalos than him winning. Like, yeah, yeah. twice on that last right. lap, he came up short. Right, the biggest odds on Davalos not pulling the trigger on a victory are not good uh, in his favor. Quick, quick little uh, switch gears. Um, the uh, rider, uh, grab his last name, but uh, Coach. I missed a shift, but uh, he's the guy who um, was made to be a, a bit of an, a welcome mat uh, in the at, during, after the start in the first turn of heat two. Um, Either one of you uh, been caught up in a in a crash like that where you're uh, you're on the ground right in front of a, a field full of riders about to run run you over? Oh yeah. yeah, many times. We touched on that in my podcast interview about getting my balls ran over. That's exactly how that happened. Perfect. You're gonna have to. All, all listeners will have to go back to that podcast and uh, and enjoy that section for sure. But honestly, and the worst part is is that the current trend, and I kind of rocked that back in the day too, is no chest protectors. So. When you're out there, you're literally just getting smoked with zero protection other than your head and your feet. So everything in between is you're pretty much just getting smoked by pokey metal stuff. Yeah. But, uh... The rigors of motocross. Yeah, but, um... It's part of the fun, I guess. But who hasn't gotten up from that and you usually have a pretty good day? Fair enough, yeah. Other than uh, some mild soreness later on that day, uh, it, it turns out okay. Uh, I think he did remount and uh, make a make an effort in the LCQ. Um, moving back to uh, Davalos for one quick moment, though. Uh, five heat races. Um, I, for one, am surprised. What about you guys? That he has five heat race wins? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Who knew? <clears throat> yeah, not surprised that one bit. He's the heat race champion of the world. And how many times has he crashed while eating? Uh, I'd say pretty much at least five, yeah. Yeah, okay, so one cancels out the other, and he still doesn't count then. Fair enough. Jimmy D, the Ripa, qualifies third out of the second heat. The kid's got some serious skills and speed on the bike. What does he need to do to um, make that next step? 
Honestly, I think he just needs to... If he got a podium, which he was running third up until the halfway point at Detroit, on a more technical track, if he would have been able to pull off a podium, let's just say, I think that would have been in his head, and next week it wouldn't have been out of the question. And it would be, you know, he just naturally kind of assumed that. But, I mean, there's a lot of guys, too, in that same position, Lemoyne and um, uh, Cunningham, you know. But uh, I think for Jimmy... He's riding really good, and his starts are down, and with these short heat races and short semi, well, semis in the 450s, starts are key. And uh, being that he can run that pace, I think just maybe confidence or, um, uh, you know, whatever it takes to just finish off the race at the top speed. You need to be able to see yourself finishing that off. Uh, any thoughts, Lee? Yeah, pretty much I'm at the same standpoint. Like, he's... He's obviously fast. There's no question about that. It's just you know, getting more, more of those like front running spots in there. Like he was third or fourth there for a while until he got together with was it Cunningham? He got yeah. together with. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, that was kind of a bummer because you know he was having a really good ride up until then. Right. But I think you know once we all know once you you start podiuming and it's going to get in your head that's like that's where you belong. And one one thing I noticed he looks massive on the bike. He absolutely <laughs> is just a gorilla out there. He just uh, manhandles it and uh it it just shows the the physical prowess that is uh Jimmy D. Um Bogle, third place or second place um behind AC kept them honest the entire moto. But uh, he's he's got the speed absolutely. Um what does he need to do to make turn that into a win and does he have enough straight up speed? Like, uh, if, if you had AC and him out, out for a, a 15-lapper, um, well, can, can he do it? I think in that situation, um, roles reversed. Say if Bogle was in the lead and AC was following him, AC might have been a little more amped to push a move to pass him because he's won races before. He's leading the championship. Right. He's got the red plate right now. Whereas Bogle being, like, he was... Is he, he was just close. content to be there? He wasn't right there, though. You know, he wasn't, right. like, on his rear tire. He kept him honest, like you said, but he wasn't, like, in a position to make a move. So I think maybe he's just following his lines, building his confidence, uh, coming off a major injury. They didn't even know if he'd be out there this year. And if he can be like, yo, I can stick with AC, you know, maybe next time he gets a start on him, that will be in his head, not, okay, when's this guy going to pass me? It'll be, I can do this, I can take his speed, and let's see what he has for me. Right, and um, just just before the, the, the heat, rates, uh, heat races were done, uh, Starling, uh, I don't know what the rest of the guys had for dinner, but he had tough blocks. Um, he ate some shit up in the tough blocks. Uh, what do we make of a crash like that? Is it a lapse of judgment? Um, not, not hitting his marks, uh, and there was quite a, quite a, a terrible crash there. Yeah, there was uh, some definite butt puckering there. I seen that GoPro footage from Buddy behind him. Um, well, yeah, he just clipped a tough tough block and uh, rode his front tire over the bars. And bad part about coming down from the parastyle like that is you're coming down like you're landing from a jump. You know, it might be kind of a flat ground situation, but you're still. He hit that kicker and he was falling 15 feet to the ground to stop dead. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, it looked uh the Red Cross flag was out for a lap there. He was down for a while. I don't know if uh, it was more wind knocked out of you or um, if something was more serious. But, yeah, that was definitely a gnarly crash. Right, right. Um, moving on to, to the main. Uh, actually, Jeremy Martin, my next point. Um 
Took another trip to the LCQ. Uh, these can't continue for a guy so running the number 19. That he made it. Uh, yeah, super lucky that he made it. Um, did he not? He fell. Uh, they they take four into the Last main, and lap, he, he took that, that third place position. Uh, he ends up going down. I thought that that was curtains for him. I, I imagined that he'd crawl into the floor and that he would end up being the phantom of De- of Detroit because well, his year hasn't been too fantastic so far. So I mean, uh, I think there was a moment in his head. He whole shot that LCQ. He's in the lead. That's where he should be, obviously. And he was like, "Hey, holy fuck! Don't blow it! Don't do that!" Boom, and he fell over. And then get up quick. Thank God he salvaged uh, third and qualified. Right. Because if he didn't, yeah, you're right. It would just be another terrible chapter to the two that he already has done. You know, not a great year. Fuck it. Move on. He'll do good. All he needs is a podium or a second to turn it around and a couple good races. But um, no, you're right. It was close. And falling while leading the last chance, like that's going to be scary. No, I, I I don't quite get it. I mean, like the guy's got the speed. We've seen him lead nationals. We've seen him lead supercrosses. He's uh, he's he's won heat races. Um, the main event. He's uh, on, on lap two. He's nineteenth. Uh, halfway through, he moved up to thirteenth and ends up eighth, just a hair in front of his brother, who's riding for a a, a Yamaha team that's. Full, full on uh, privateer effort at the the Rock River team. Well, well, but like you said, motocross is a head game, and uh, who knows what's in his head? And you know, if he in his mind is like, "Man, don't blow it, don't blow it," then you're probably gonna blow it, right? And who knows uh, what what's bringing that on? You know what I mean? Who knows? But uh, eventually, I'm sure he'll figure it out, and he just won't blow it. He seems to be blowing it so far. <laughs> so, um, gate drops, uh, the main event, um, AC uh, originally uh, looks to be getting the whole shot. Davalos takes it, another whole shot for Davalos, absolutely killing it on the starts. But AC is like a rabid dog. He comes after them right away, pushing for the, um, for the lead, and eventually inherits it after a mistake by Davalos. No one's surprised here, but did AC... Force that that mistake. Did he pressure him into making that, or was it just a traction thing, Lee? It looked like it was a little of both. It looked like you know Davalos pulled the usual kind of thing. He got a little freaked out or something, and he grabbed a handful of front brake. You could tell. You could see the skid mark from his tire when he landed off that rhythm section. That's and mode. you know, AC was right on him. He was there to capitalize. He's lucky he wasn't caught up in that whole deal too. He missed him by like a foot. But uh, yeah, I think he was feeling the pressure there for sure, especially you know. That shit's in his head that he's goes down in the main all the time, and I'm sure he knows all about that. So that probably got to him having you know the guy that's leading the point series right on him, his teammate too, who he's probably you know he's the rookie on the team, and Davalos is the he's the vet. He should be the one out there instead of the other way around. So that probably got to him a little bit, I think. But right. I think in the same uh, thing, like AC is following Davalos, it's got to be in his head, like. If I stick a tire in here, if I rev my bike here, he's going to fucking blow it, right? I'm the rookie, he's the vet, but I'm just going to pretend like I'm this nice little kid and I'm super pumped for everybody, but I know what the hell I'm doing and I'm going to go in there, blast him, confidence. show him a tire, show him this on the track, and he's probably going to eat shit eventually. Yeah. And then I'm going to ride on to another race win, which is what he's been doing since he was puked out of his mother's vagina, but that's what he knows best. And... Davalos knows 
blowing it the best. Or does Martin know no, no blowing it the best? I was looking at Lee, I forgot. I Fair enough. Well, Jimmy Coase, he comes across the stripe at the, after the first lap in fourth place. Looking good. Can the Ripper pull a podium? What did he cross the line on the seventh lap in? Still fourth. Third place. Third place. Oh, you're right. He was... He, he had inherited uh, third place after Davalos had uh, podium the status after Davalos' second crash there. Right. And you know, he, he can run the pace, but can, can he turn that into a finish up there? I think so. I think it takes, like we said, one will do it. And I mean, if he just gets that good race, you know, feeling good that day, uh, I find no reason why he can't hit a podium. But right. Again, and this is in a class with AC, Baggett, Davalos, a bunch of other top guys. But he has the speed, he has the starts. If he didn't have starts, I'd say no, right? He's not going to climb his way through the pack to a third place, probably. But he can get a good start and ride that pace right. and stick up with those guys and well, not blow it. He, he is one of those guys who you know he rides with who he's with, and when he gets a, a good start, he stays up there. Uh, in my opinion, I would like to think of him... St- like already, as as if he's he's one of those guys um, who uh, he's he's your he's right in there with your uh, Lemoines, Cunninghams, even uh, even your Bogles and uh, free, freezes of the world. Uh, he's he's got the speed. Can he run up front? Absolutely. Uh, he just needs to make that next step. And making it on a privateer Honda is not easy. Um, which which should attest to uh, his ability on the on the two wheels. But I think being as vocal as he is with social media, and he's always out there, and it's a name that you hear. Yeah, that's got to help too. It's, Definitely. And, and it's not. There's really nothing bad attached to his name. Like let's say a Vince Freese or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's got to help too. He's getting the starts. He's getting coverage. They talk about him every weekend on you know live TV, mm-hmm. and uh, he's getting shots in Racer X. None of that is a bad thing and being on a privateer Honda um, so is everybody else in the class pretty much you know, yeah. you know like there's the Geico Hondas and there's a the pro circuit but you know one rock star bike who else is there like would you say that yep. Cunningham has an advantage over him but um, you know it's not like there's 15 factory guys in that class absolutely um Davalos comes comes back. He ends up uh, sixth on the eve or yeah, Davalos sixth on the evening. Um, the Ky- he's not from Cairo, 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 Georgia, really. That's in Egypt. Sure. You know what? If uh, Davalos was from Egypt, it would just make more sense. You know what? They also have um, some Canadian content. Uh, uh, Cole Thompson riding a KTM 350 listed on the, uh, the 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 website here. So uh, that is interesting. Hey man, uh, you never a know. Cheater bike, and they're not even ashamed no, to say it. That's just the Canadian exchange rate. You drop 100 cc's if you're from Ontario. That fair <laughs> enough. Okay, fucking section seven B. Look it up. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, we'll look up sec- section seven B after this podcast. But until then, I still still think he's got a cheater bike under him. Um, AC, absolute picture of confidence. Uh, as and I as I figure as he rolls off these wins. Uh, it's only going to get spell more uh, trouble for the the 250 class, even going outdoors. Um, the kid's proven that once he's gets gets some wins under his belt, he just gains momentum, and he um, the uh, Orangeport, Florida native, absolutely just kills it. Um, what uh, what does that spell for for the rest of the the E series and, and moving into uh, Vegas and beyond? 
I think unless something catastrophic happens, you know, he's got this thing sewn up already as far as I'm concerned. You know, no one's no one's really been able to challenge him as far as especially consistency goes. He's gone 1-2 all year. And, uh, you know, on the track you can tell he's, he's the fast guy out there. And, uh, you know, he doesn't make mistakes, especially for a rookie that's just hugely impressive. Like, he shows a lot of signs of, of the GOAT in him. I see it. Absolutely, yeah. Super dominant, poised, good, uh, actually probably better with the media than Ricky ever was, including now. Uh, and uh, just absolutely unwavering. He's got a, a ton of confidence in himself to uh, to get the job done. Well, and, and he's a semi-ginger. And he that does too. And he doesn't have to stand on a box on camera. That's no. right. That's right. He is officially uh, scratching the 5'9", five, 5'10", uh, five, five, mark. So um, he's... Uh, he's Bridge the, the gap between uh, uh, boy and man, and uh, uh, I, I think nothing but good things from the, in the well, future. No, and moving into the outdoors, he's ridden half of these tracks. Even when he had contracted like herpes AIDS or whatever he had last year, he rode the tracks poorly, not up to his standards. Obviously, like we all know that, like he bust on the scene and nobody gave a shit because right. he's in seventh and eighth and eleventh. But I think. Having that experience now, nobody's going to remember that if he goes this year and cleans everybody out. Right. You know, he just had a typical rookie season then, never mind low iron or whatever the hell was going on with his body back then. Right, know? right. And you know what? It's it's amazing for him to be able to go through a summer like that and not have that linger. linger. The the stink of that uh, that first season that, like, for all accounts, not successful in terms of his... Um, the the expectation that people had on him, uh, he didn't pull that forward and let that affect him going into Supercross. Comes out and kills it. So well, and um, see on that same sentence, maybe that's what's affecting Jeremy Martin, like we were talking about, mm-hmm. is you know that funk that expectations rookie of the year in, and yeah rookie of the year leading in and then you DNQ. So you know maybe that so called stink is following him around. Truth be told, he is a hardworking guy. I think that uh, Jeremy can definitely get some good finishes as the year goes on. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him over dur- before the uh, the season got started, and uh, he seems like a, a hardworking gentleman who uh, has been has done all of his homework. He just hasn't worked out so far. All right, Big MX listeners, commercial time. And listen up, because somewhere in these commercials is a trivia question you don't want to miss out on. We don't yet have some real commercials from the sponsors that we've gotten so far. But these are a few gems from Supercrosses Gone By. Hope you enjoy. A power and excitement scream into Anaheim Stadium, Saturday, January 29th. That's right, the Miller High Life Supercross kickoff is back. The Rams field is a mountainous battlefield as the world's best motocross racers declare war. Every factory team, every superstar on a completely new track with an awesome water hole. Plus, you'll see Bob Hurricane Hanna in his first Honda ride ever. Anaheim Stadium, Saturday, January 29th, one night only, once a year. Tickets at 1978 prices as low as $6. Ticketron, convention center, Honda dealers, and super shops. Trivia time, guys. Submit your answers to bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. That's my name, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Your question. What number did the legendary Tim Ferry wear in his 1997-125 championship season in Supercross? We'll keep this open for two solid weeks. The correct answers will be put into a hat, and we'll draw a name of the correct answers for a $25 gift certificate to the iTunes store. If it was baseball, his rookie card would be worth a small fortune. If it was football, every kid would be wearing his jersey. 
But Jeremy McGrath had other plans to take a motorcycle and to show the world how far your dreams can take you. My formula for success? Provide the best equipment and you'll naturally attract the best riders. For over 10 years, Thor and Pro Circuit have been a winning team. Winning is a result of hard work and dedication. That's what Pro Circuit believes and that's what Thor believes. My team, my choice. Um, moving on to the 450s, um, Chris, uh, um, I, it was your, uh, your job to, uh, to cover those guys a bit, uh, Stewie, um, JS7, he takes the victory, um, in a pretty boring main event, uh, tell me how he got there. Well, yeah, the 450s was definitely not the most exciting main event, um, you know, if we start back at heat number one, um, Qualifying makes everything. Qualifying makes the main event. Starting position is going to be everything. On a track like Detroit, starts are going to be important. And with that, you got to get a good qualifying spot. And with this year, the qualifiers are even shorter than normal. Um, starts are very important when it comes down to even the heats and the semis. And uh, guys like Alessi, you know, the standard issue good starters are going to love this. And like Heat 1... Alessi hole shots, imagine that. Or actually, uh, Brayton. Excuse me, I have a few more questions if you don't mind. Hole shot. Alessi passes him and leads on for the win, but uh, Roxon and Brayton didn't qualify out of the heat. And we're talking one guy hole shot, the other guy's Roxon. Roxon's that Both guy. Both like factory who, equipment. Well, fuck factory equipment, Roxon's the next guy, right? Negative. You know, lots of these guys in the first heat, in the heat races, there's a lot of factory guys. Everyone's out there. No one's made the cut yet. And when Roxon, who's training with RV and Alden Baker, you know, the best of the best of the best, he has no excuse not to qualify out of the heat. Even with, a, you know, a bad start, he should be able to cut it. And Brayton, you know, riding a JGR Yamaha, good bike, hole shots and fades out to non-qualifying positions. You know, I don't know if uh, earlier in the season when he was getting second place and he's running up there and passing Villapoto, that's not the Justin Brayton that I think we've seen at uh, Detroit. But then pulling into Heat 2, like, Seeley, who's been riding great. I mean, for a 250 guy, he's definitely made his mark. And uh, that's one guy who... He's been surprising. Definitely. And I think he might kind of roll into... uh, um, a Will Hahn position for next year where he's kind of surprising as well. Like, Will's a full-time 450 guy now, and he's making his mark. You know, he's and riding better than expected. And Honda's going to have an empty spot after uh, Barsha goes to JGR. We don't talk in the future here unless everything's stamp sealed and delivered. Fair enough. But, uh, no, for sure, there, you know, rumors are usually true, and uh, that's the rumor right now. But, um, you know, he seems to be adapting the 450 really well. He's a really smooth rider. And I think regardless if he wins the championship this year, Seeley, I think if Anderson wins it, that's not going to lower his stock at all. With him riding the 450s and Anderson not, 
I mean, if he wins the championship, it's going to be even better. But um, I don't think really with these rides that he's putting in. Sure, he got cleaned out in the main and didn't finish position-wise as good. But he's riding up there, and I think that's what these teams are looking for is that speed to ride with the top guys. And he's got the starts. He's there. And, uh, yeah, he showed that in Heat 2 with his start. But, I mean, Barsha led RV pretty much the whole race. RV looked like he was kind of just chilling out. You know, it's a heat race. Who cares? Barsha's not that guy that you're going to rush in on and make a move and expect him not to do anything about it. So maybe he was thinking it's the heat race. You know, qualify for the main, get in there. But uh, Barsha rode good. Um, RV looked like, you know, he's riding the berms lower, trying everything that he could, but he couldn't get a good enough run to uh, make the pass on Barsha. Right. Um, the uh, the whole class seems to have separated themselves out. Um, there's, a, there's a definite <clears throat> leader of that, I guess, that you'd say that next group. And although uh, Andrew Short's been the most consistent, I'd say the most dominant of that next group is a Weston Pike. He's not on factory equipment. Um, he's, he's right up in there with the, the, the factory big dogs. Um, where, do you, where do we see him uh, progressing uh, the rest of the year and, and into uh, 2015, if you, if you can project? Lee. I think, man, I think you put that guy on a good bike next year, a good team, good support. He's got what it takes to be a solid top five guy at all times. He's proven he's got the speed. He's obviously got the work ethic because he's out there on privateer equipment right now and running with the you know, the top guys and uh, throwing down dirty outside line block passes somehow at the top of the peristyle. That was one of the most badass moves I've ever seen, like to Try and block someone. Oh, who's he's on not. The, he's not afraid to go out there. Oh no! To try and block someone who's on the inside of you, and then hammer in on him and actually make it happen. That's one of the ballsiest moves you can possibly do in Supercross right now. And he executed that as good as I could have gotten. And right. uh, you know, he's an aggressive rider. He can tell he's not afraid to put it in on someone when he wants to make a pass. And uh, that's all the stuff you know. That's all the stuff you need to be one of the top guys. Well, I think if uh, I mean in the 450 class. I don't think, like, being on a factory bike is definitely a huge advantage, um, but more, I don't think it's as much back in the day as power as much as handling, and if you look at his consistency problems, like, you know, he'll have these odd bails where he kind of gets bucked here, bucked there, and obviously he doesn't have as many hours on the test track as the guys that are behind him even, and in front of him, Right. so I think as much as... Uh, being on a team, maybe just figuring his stuff out that little extra 5% rather than the extra... I don't think many of these 450 guys... Like I'm sure his bike is just plenty fast enough. He's getting the starts, he's up there, he's a big dude, it's hauling him around. But I think the fine-tuning points is what a guy like Weston Pike would need to make it to the next level, and I think that's what a better ride would give him. He's going to benefit from that program, for sure. Exactly. More than, say... Fancy wheels, better motor, this, that. I think he's not the type of guy that cares about that. He is a nihilist. He'll pound through with whatever he's got, but I think having you know better equipment, people to kind of take care of him, would definitely keep him more consistent. And he's shown he has the speed, but he doesn't look like he's going that fast when you watch no, him ride. Not he's a flashy just, guy on and off the bike. Just doing everything right, doing everything consistent, and... And that bike is his bitch. Like, he muscles it around, and um, I think he has, you know, more of the Stanton-Kudrowski 
riding style than, you know, some of the lighter, more finesse guys. Right. Very much a, a Sebastian Tortelli out there. Uh, not very kind to his equipment. Uh, Ken Roxon uh, has been dominant all year. He's, he's been up there with the guys. He's been a podium guy uh, on a regular basis, but ends up uh, 20th uh, for this evening. Um, looks like he gets a stick caught in the sprocket or the caliper. Um, would this situation have been remedied if he would have just rolled his bike backwards? Or well, Possibly. You never know. Like We've all been in that situation where you have no idea what's going on. You hear a clunking, and you know he obviously, you can't say... Oh, what a f- idiot he didn't roll his bike backwards. He was panicking. I've never been in a 250 Supercross main while being in second in points. And, you know, so much going through his head. He just wants to get going. And every little thing that he doesn't have to do to get going, he's going to, you know, just try to do the quickest fix and get on the road. Right. But, um, I mean, that's where being maybe a 20-year-old or whoever old he is, those are the little things that, you know, maybe that wouldn't happen again. If something gets stuck in him again, he's going to roll his bike back, get rid of that, and get on his way. But, I mean, I don't think he had a great day in general. I mean, he didn't qualify out of the heat. He was, uh, you know, didn't win the semi. And this is a guy who's supposed to be the next guy. So I think I think the whole rock in uh, the caliper situation was just another knife in the wound of Detroit and rocks and um, moving back in points and all of that. Uh, I mean, you never know, right? Right. Um, Josh Grant, um, having a pretty rocky season so far. He had the shoulder injury. Uh, he's been very up and down. Um, the uh, Corona California native has, has had his struggles. Uh, Lee, what do you make of his season so far? And his Detroit, he ended up 10th, uh, right in the middle there. Yeah, I've been expecting a lot more out of Josh Grant this year, especially like, the last couple of years. You know, he's had some... Pretty bad luck the last few seasons and stuff. You know, a few years ago, he was one of the front-running guys. And, uh, you know, he's kind of been shit in the bed, to be honest with you. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what the whole deal behind that is. And I guess no one really can except for him. But uh, I'd, I'd hope to see a lot more out of him soon because, you know, he's one of the guys I do cheer for on the track. And because uh, he's one of the... He's one of the modern day badasses of the sport. Is that simply because of his whipper tails? I th- it's kind of is, yeah. He's he's bringing that stuff back. He's you know that's one thing I've been talking about for the last three years. There's nobody that's actually exciting to watch on the track. Like the last lap in 1997, you saw knack knacks, one handers, yep. whips all day long. It was awesome. And nowadays, like you can't even get a whip off the finish line out of Musk- anybody. Muskin was doing hill clickers last year. Muskin, yeah, he's he's awesome. He. Throws down his like heel clicker, one hander, landers and stuff. One hander on his first race, win, ridiculous yeah. things like that. That's wicked to see. Like well, kisses to it's the sad crowd. that we remember that because it's so lame these days. Yeah, yeah. Hey, exactly. I, I love a good heel clicker. So um, does Lee. I still do. Lee is <laughs> a huge fan of the heel clickers. Nicholas Way, he's a Dewitt, Michigan rider. Um, not the highest placing Michigan uh, Mafia member. Uh, in the main event, that was Brock Tickle, but uh, possibly one of the last times that uh, um, Nick Way uh, rides in front of his hometown crowd. Uh, not the greatest performance from him, but uh, what do you think he's walking away from that race uh, thinking? The same shit as every race that, you know, great guys. Well, I mean, never met the guy, but seems nice, dude. It's done. What does he expect? He's just... Uh, He's out there for his sponsors. He's out there for his fans. Um, you know, we're not going to see a top five, top three. But um, 
I could see him doing Michigan rounds, you know, and doing Red Bud after he's retired and stuff like that. But let's be honest, what do you expect from Nick Way? Yeah, like to be honest, I can't say that I really expected him to set the world on fire. Uh, I know he expects himself to be closer to the uh, thirteen, he fourteen range. To look good. He he knows he looks good. Um, he's getting those X brand goggles absolutely uh, perfectly co- combined with his uh, his gear choice, helmet choice of colorways, and um, in seventeenth, he's or. Uh, yeah, seventeenth. He's looking absolutely well, that that all white spot on. he did for this weekend. It did look really tight. It yeah, did. that was uh, a, a great look. He, like uh, Nick Way, always an eye for uh, fashion <coughs> on the track, which I think both of you can appreciate. After uh, Lee, um, you've got uh, quite the machine um, put together for twenty thirteen. Uh, that uh, that thing. If anyone wants to look at that, they can check out your Instagram post. L e e s t u a r t. 38 uh, on Instagram. An unbelievable machine if they want to check that out. Uh, Villain Ride Co. doing all the powder coating. Nick Schmidt finally makes his way back into the, mo- the main. He's, he's well, he made, he made it in uh, Daytona as well. But the Riverside, California guy, uh, he's riding Hondas. Uh, he made most of his main so far on Suzuki's. But, um, Lee, what do you make of that privateer um, making, making his way back into the main event? Nick, uh, Nick Schmidt being the milestone assassin... Uh... Sneaking into that LCQ, I mean, he's been qualifying for mains, I think he finished 22nd, but he's turning into that solid main event guy, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure if somebody told him in January that he's going to be out there making main events on a consistent basis, he would have been psyched, and I mean, he's riding with these guys, he's feeling more comfortable, and I think that's a little bit, because watching him in the LCQ, and he wasn't making those kind of boner LCQ moves that some people do. You know, it's like, I've made enough mains, I've rid with the top guys, and, um, yeah, he, he's starting to look like he's one of them now. And I guarantee he's not going to be wearing that uh, typical number 415 next season once the points get added up. No, expe- uh, he'll, he'll be uh, definitely uh, up inside the, uh, the, the two digits for sure. Um, Dean Wilson, uh, good ride, um, Good qualifying spot, but he ends up, uh, he qualified 8th, he ends up 13th uh, on the evening. Not a great ride, he, he, he arm pumped, he... Um, uh, Alessi took him out, Ale- he Ale- took out Alessi or whatever happened. Yeah, uh, him and Alessi butted heads a little bit. Uh, what do we make of his performance uh, after uh, having such a strong ride and then fading uh, after dealing with some arm pump at Daytona? Well, see, honestly, I'm probably on my own in thinking this, but there's some guys that I don't think really benefit from the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week gnarly training process. Some of them are natural guys, like, you know, Wilson. Right. He is a natural rider. You watch him ride, that bike's his bitch, and, you know, even watching videos, first ride after being injured, and he hasn't lost a bit. So... Maybe not the gnarly training like he's doing, which might be leading to arm pump. Chill out for a week or two. You know, you're not keep your cardio going type of thing or whatever. I mean, and see what happens. Like, maybe relax on the weights. He's not a big builded guy. No. He's never going to be massive. Just whatever you change, change it back to where you weren't getting arm pump. Because he's got the skills. He's got the talent. Um, he's always on good equipment. There's no reason that he can't run up front. I mean, he can battle with the best, 
twelfth or whatever place that doesn't show what Wilson's up to. Right. Um, moving into Toronto, we're looking forward now um, for our, the homeland, um, Canada, where we're from. Um, who do we look to have uh, good rides or maybe bounce backs or bounce back rides from from this from this week uh, moving forward, Lee? I'd you know I, I hate to say it I like to see James Stewart up there again. I've been cheering that guy on forever. Every time I bet money on this guy, he loses, and then I go on someone else, he wins a race. So that's the only reason he's in my bad books right now. Stewart, you're losing me all kinds of money. We share a last name. Get your shit together. But, uh, you know, I'd like to see him up there again, especially because he's going to throw... Him up there is going to throw a wrench in the point series more mm-hmm. and more. The more he's out front, the more it's going to chip away a little bits at everybody's point standings, and it's going to even things back out again. Like, this has been one of the most exciting series in years because mm-hmm. everybody's been so close, but now Villapoto's kind of been walking away with it just by everybody else's little mistakes and he's stuff. He's sneaking out the back door with this He's sneaking out on this one. He hasn't walked away with this one, and... Uh, I'd like to see that get shaken up and see like an actual series go all the way to Vegas for once. That'd be that'd be awesome. But in that same breath, um, I understand. I understand if if Stewart wins, it's really not going to shake up the points. He's fifty three back. He's two races back. Yeah. And uh, we have a guy named Ryan Dungey in second place who's Stay not going to do anything fucking spectacular. He's not going to go on a six race winning streak and collect a bunch of points and tighten up the point race where. If Dungey wins, Stewart gets second, Villo gets third, yeah, that's five points, but it's not going to happen like that. Um, Dungey's going to take his rides, he's going to get second, third, fourth, second, third, fourth, whatever, get a win if everybody else fucks up, but Stewart, yeah, he's going to win some races, but I see that as a pro to Villapoto for the points, where if Stewart wins, um, you know, Dungey gets second, RV gets third, he's only lost two points there, mm-hmm. so, you know... He's got the points lead every single weekend. If he loses a couple points, he's not worried. And we all know that RV is there for the championship. He's not there to win every race like, say, a Stewart was back in the day, which led to concussions and being knocked out and not championships. So I think everything's going the way it has the last three years, and that's the way it's going to go. I don't think we're going to have an exciting Vegas. I think... Villapoto is going to be. Oh, I think this is is wrapped up uh, by. uh, I guess Seattle's the race before Vegas. Um, Villapoto, he's he's got the the championship in hand. He can basically choose his spots when he wants to get aggressive about things. He can rattle off some wins when he feels necessary, or that he can do it. Uh, He can sit back when he feels like it's not quite his night. And um, I I look for um, us to get uh, like more more of what we've been getting, minus of course. Um, like uh, in 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 the recent rounds with uh, after Chad Reed uh, left the series, uh, it's been a little bit of status quo. Villapoto out front, um, Dungey, Stu, and um, uh, Roxon might be able to uh, steal a win or two uh, before the season's out. But I don't think any of it's going to do a whole lot of uh, damage to Villapoto's uh, championship legacy here. Yeah. No, not at all. And let's say if uh, Dungey maybe gets a rock stuck in his caliper and blows a race, the RV has a two-race points gap on everybody. Yeah. And then, really, are you going to be worried if you're in RV's boots? Fuck no. No, absolutely not. Yeah, that that, that wraps it up. That's uh, all of Detroit. 
uh, from 2014, uh, moving on to Toronto. Um, looking forward to uh, to seeing that race this Saturday at uh, Rogers M- MTS Center in Toronto. MTS Center in Toronto. In Toronto. And uh, we look forward to watching that. Uh, on uh, We get it on speed. The Americans get it on Fox Sports 1. And uh, thanks for doing the podcast, guys. Hey, no problem, Bradley. Right on. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes. Check out our archive for ones you may have missed. And for more content, BigMXRadio.com is your one-stop shop for Manitoba motocross media.